You're listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Renata Mrazova is the Chief People Officer at Home Credit International with more than 78,000 employees. She's been named several times among top 25 business female leaders and awarded the most influential woman of the Czech market. In 2020, she ranked eighth place in Forbes magazine, most successful woman in the Czech Republic. Renata is also a co-founder of Polaris, a networking community focusing on improving the diversity and inclusiveness in society via mentoring. Today, Renata talks about how diversity doesn't automatically mean inclusion, vulnerability and empathy, how to create an environment of safety and trust, and the importance of listening skills. Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Lovett, and I'm very excited today to have with us all the way from Czech, Renata Mrazova. Renata, welcome. Thank you. Hi to everyone. Yeah, thanks. And, and I do want to tell everybody, because I just found this out, that your last name translated to English means Mrs. Frost. Yes, that's right. Very tough. And, and we, we have actually freezing weather in uh, outside in Prague and Czech Republic. It's white. We have snow and it's quite cold. <laughs> Is it from you? So are you suggesting you should, maybe you should not, I originally, I usually like to welcome people to come visit Halifax, but maybe for Mrs. Frost is don't come, only come in the winter, don't come in the summer. Don't do that to us, Renata. <laughs> Czech Republic is beautiful all the seasons and let's hope that after the lockdown, we will see again many tourists here. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, welcome. We're really excited to have you on board. I think we've got some great topics for our listeners today. Um, let's start off an um, original, well, actually just give, give, give everyone just an overview of Home Credit, very interesting company that, that provides credit for those who maybe don't have credit. Can you give us an overview of Home Credit and the size of the company too? Yeah, so Home Credit International, actually I think it's an amazing story because the company has been established uh, 28 years ago after the fall of the you know, communistic uh, system. Uh, it's Czech-based company. It's privately owned. Uh, we have one major owner who is still very actively uh, leading and managing the company. Uh, and currently, we are active on nine markets, uh, both Europe and Asia. Most of the operations are in Asia, China, Vietnam, India, Indonesia, Philippines. Uh, but we also have uh, operations in uh, Kazakhstan, Russia, and of course, Czech Republic. And we are the global leading consumer finance company. And in some of the markets, we have the full bank operations. Wow. Wow. And why that market segment? You know, because it is, it, it, it is kind of a different segment of the market that you focus on, correct? Uh, you mean in uh, in Russia and Kazakhstan, or well, I just my assumption was that home credit also, you know, was was very helpful for those who might have credit challenges. Or am I getting that wrong? No, no, no. It's focused on the consumer finance. Yes. Uh, so, so this is really focused on retail, and we are very much connected, you know, with uh, uh, with retail, uh, but also with uh, with other partnership. So right. definitely, you were right. Yeah. Excellent. Great. Um, but your background isn't the traditional, you know, someone who, who's uh, in a role like you are today, running kind of people and culture. You came from finance. Tell us about that transition. Yeah, yeah. So, so this, is, uh, this is always uh, funny and a very interesting story 
because I don't have background in, in HR. I did not study psychology. I studied finance and most of my career I spent in finance. Uh, I was CFO of different companies in different industries. And then I moved to CEO position of uh, ING. Uh, and actually at that point, uh, uh, I moved more from like intuitively being connected with people, team dynamics and culture to be more, uh, you know, understanding that. I did some studying and uh, actually uh, being the CEO, uh, my big focus was of course, you know, to manage company uh, successfully uh, from financial and business point of view, but I focused a lot on culture, leadership and people topics. And then, you know, from this time, you know, uh, it went a kind of very naturally that I got the offer uh, to, to move to HR to, to help with the transformation of the culture and, uh, uh, and human resources on the group level. Well, that's interesting. And before we get into transformation, <clears throat> I'm curious because in your space, you know, banking, financing is typically, has been typically kind of more of command control, you know, look, we pay you, do, do you know, what we want, when we want, the executives will give you the orders. I mean, home credit has a wonderful culture and has made that pivot. And, and before we get into the transformation for you, what was your aha moment that said, geez, I, this must be a better way, you know, really like the word culture wasn't strong in the past. And now, now of course, people are leaning in. What was your aha moment to say, there might be a better way to do this? Mm -hmm. Now, I think this is a very valid point because I think in the past, you have seen a lot of leadership, which was very much result driven, you know, and really focus on deliver what is expected. I think, uh, you know, more and more, I was personally, but you see these trends also in, in these years, thinking about how, not only about what, but how you do that. And, you know, I was in the beginning very passionate about customer experience. Uh, and I always wanted to build a culture in the company, which is tremendously focused on excellent uh, customer experience. But more and more digging into that, you know, who is creating the customer experience? It's your people. And if you have, you know, people who understand the purpose of the company, who understand the strategy, who come every day to workplace, engaged, you know, and they want to have the impact, then, you know, the customer experience comes very naturally. So that was my aha moment, like, you know, moving from delivering the results, focusing, of course, on, on the great customer experience to create excellent uh, workplace, you know, where people really feel a kind of uh, uh, fulfilled uh, with meaningful impact. And when, when you talk about transforming, and of course, it sounds like when the company was going through that type of transformation, it was already a large company. I mean, and it's hard enough to do when you're small. If I'm an entrepreneur that has five employees and I say, look, I, I just want to now empower people, get out of the way. It can be divisive. You know, I was having a conversation with someone the other day that said culture in some cases is, is almost like politics or religion. Like some people just don't believe they, if you believe command control is the way to go, then you're then then, you know, a culture of empowerment uh, and engagement is, is like fairy tales and unicorns. You don't believe in that and, and, and sometimes vice versa. So let's talk about the transformation, some of the big bumps you would have hit, because that's going to be tougher to do at a large company. Uh, and sometimes at the gates, we see, look, some are really engaged and some are like, I'm going to find a new home. What was your experience? 
Yeah. Now, listen, uh, this is a very interesting topic because, you know, I always say very provocatively that uh, if the company establishes the cultural program to change the culture, you will not succeed. It does not work. You know, I think well, the culture... you just said, sorry, I think that's very important. If the company implements the change culture program themselves, and you're probably talking the C-level, it will not work. I think it will not work like, you know, in the, in the meaning, like you do it in the traditional way that you would appoint, uh, you know, the, the program manager who would be responsible for the change. It does not work like that because culture, culture does, not, uh, uh, does not happen from one day to another one. You know, it's uh, days, months uh, and years, you know, that it's being created. And there are always many positive elements of the culture but there might be also some negative aspects. I think the first point is that uh, you need to understand what culture you have, because it's, as you said, it's very intangible. Some people, they even would say it's fluffy. You cannot touch it. You can sense it. It's how you make decisions. It's how you talk. Uh, it's how you behave to each other. Uh, uh, so you need to understand objectively, you know, what uh, behaviors, uh, uh, you do and what it uh, uh, impacts in your business. And once you understand it, you evaluate, am I happy with it? Mm. Will, it will it help me to continue to be long-term successful? Is it sustainable? Uh, or what are the elements which you know I want to change? And then the second step, which you mentioned is that once you do this discussion, you really need to have the strong alignment at the top leadership. People need to understand it. Uh, they need to believe in it and they, they need to become the role models and ambassadors of that. Because if that does not work, you will always hear what you hear very often from your people. You know, this is only on the posters on the wall, but look at the leadership. They don't walk the talk. You know, one thing you said, uh, which really jumped out at me, and, and I don't hear many talk about that, and I think this is a really important point, is, and, and even my own experience in the private security world when I had my own aha moments, I don't believe I did what you just suggested, which I think is brilliant, which is really just pausing and saying, what is the culture today? Because, you know, I, I, you know especially as entrepreneurs, you, we get these ideas to move very fast and, and start to make change, but, but you're saying, look, just try to understand what is there because you, there may be components that you want to keep and move forward and others that you would like to leave behind. I think that is brilliant, Renata. That's, and and is, was there an exercise you did to figure out how do, we, how do you figure out you know, what the culture is today? So before I will answer that, I want to react on what you said. Because I think many times people uh, forget and underestimate that, you know, uh, you have people who work in the company for many years and they have created the culture. And if you will suddenly come there and you will say, it's wrong, we need to change that. Can you imagine how you feel? Because every person takes things personally. And then you actually feel like, oh my God, so do they mean that, you know, for the past five, seven, 10 years, you know, I was not working well? Is it what I contributed, not appreciated anymore? So this is, you know, what I always say, it's very important to pause, reflect, and to, you know, evaluate. And to always say, this is what I need to keep because the culture, if you are a successful company, 
the past culture that brought you to your success. So you cannot, you know, like always criticize and say everything from the past is wrong. You need to keep what is great and you need to explain what you want to change and why. People always need to understand why you want to do it. To your question, if we measured it, yes, uh, there are many tools, many surveys, how you can measure uh, culture. And we roll it out, you know, to specific segments, to the leadership, but also to the other groups. Uh, and then I think, you know, the tool does not matter. What is always beautiful, if you have fantastic debate, because, you know, the outcome is being discussed, is being debated, and people become passionate. You know, people become passionate and then actually there's already the beginning of the change because you have engagement of people. So it does not need to be cascaded from the top, but when you have the debate discussion, you involve people, you know, a kind of uh, change is starting by itself. And, you know, it's interesting. And another thing that you said really jumped out too during that process, which is, you know, if we do head on a new journey and adjust the culture, being very careful in, and on how we deliver, because to your point, you know, I could have worked there for 10 years and all of a sudden I'm like, well, I didn't fit here for 10 years. What are you telling me? I, I did everything wrong. I mean, I, I, I very quickly make up my own stories. And so it sounds like that balance of, Ron, here's what we've done. And we want to celebrate these pieces and hold tight. And they're very important to the business. We're going to keep them and thank you for being a steward of this. And here's some things that we want to, you know, uh, and, and we've had discussions around and we'd like to adjust moving forward. Yes, yes. Yeah, that, 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 that's great. And so as during the cultural transformation, what are some of the biggest uh, roadblocks that you saw from your experience and how do we get around those? Uh, so I would probably comment more on the past experience because in home credit, we are still at the beginning of the journey. Uh, but uh, you will see the commonalities. Uh, uh, and I think uh, you anyway aimed to talk about it. Uh, so what, uh, what I noticed uh, in the past is that uh, the big part of the, uh, of the culture was very much individualistic. And always we have seen the outcome of the engagement survey that people miss collaboration, that people feel uh, that you know, the company is managed in a kind of fragmented way that there are many silos, many silos between the functions, but also almost no cooperation between the markets. And this was something which was striking me because, you know, if you are part of the global company, you are not one, you know, business unit on one market, you should be utilizing uh, the impact which you have, you know, being part of something bigger, uh, meaning like sharing the best practices, uh, you know, uh, working on some projects together because you utilize the scale, uh, you achieve the efficiencies. So this was for me the priority, like how do I create the culture which will be based more on the collaborative spirit than maybe on great deliveries, you know, like individualistic you run and, and you deliver a fantastic approach, but maybe, you know, it does not fit in the overall picture. So this was one element. And the second uh, was a kind of inclusion, diversity and inclusion, where actually we heard from the people, sometimes I do not feel that this environment is fully respecting you know, my individuality. Uh, I feel that I need to constantly adapt and, and adjust uh, to the environment, to the culture. 
And I was thinking, wow, if we are so much cutting, you know, the corners of people, you know, we are maybe utilizing them uh, only from, you know, some portion. Uh, and that was the second priority, you know, to, to really uh, uh, work with the leadership to create an inclusive environment where people will be able to feel by themselves and they will be appreciated for truly who they are and for their talent. And the second phase is if you achieve that, then actually you are building a kind of complementing environment that, you know, there are no, diff uh, no similar profiles but different profiles that people can really build on each other's strengths. That's, that's interesting. And, you know, I would argue that even small companies don't tap onto the resources they have in front of them. But you think about the untapped potential of a company like Home Credit, to your point, that has different expertise in different markets that are just in that market delivering versus delivering their expertise and knowledge, you know, across you know, jurisdictions, uh, countries, whatever that is to say, hey, we deal with a similar issue. Here's how we solve that problem. Uh, that, that's great. And is that is that part of the movement from individual individualistic to collaborative for you? Definitely. This is definitely the topic uh, for home credit. We are really looking, you know, how to shift from a more individualistic uh, driven culture uh, to strong collaboration. Uh, we even in December, we had a leadership conference uh, where the claim was uh, stronger together. And I think it's very emotional. It, it is impactful, you know, explaining it by itself. And it has many perspectives, you know, how the collaboration can, can be improved. And you can start from your own team, uh, you know, how you work on, on, on uh, becoming the stronger team, more aligned, you know, what's your mission, what's your purpose, why you come together. Then you enlarge it, you know, to the whole organization, like uh, at, at the business unit level. And then, of course, you have what I mentioned, uh, this uh, cross-country collaboration. That, of course, uh, Home Credit is, uh, as I said, on nine markets. Every market is very different. So, of course, you know, we have different uh, uh, strategy and we are in different phase. But, of course, you know, we are in the same business. Uh, and I think sharing the best practices, uh, talking about the market trends, working on some projects together, you know, developing solutions, uh, uh, product solutions, customer propositions, mobile apps. I think this is something which will be very, uh, you know, applicable for the final customers, but which is also very engaging for the employees because they can, uh, they can have and they can build a much larger perspective. They are not looking only to their one single market, but uh, you know they are building the complex uh, experience, you know, from other markets as well. Right, and you guys have a very interesting document which kind of guides people along on some of the decisions they make. That is an incredible document. Um, can you talk about that? The strategy behind that doc that 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 will guide someone for some of the best practices, and it's it it, it you know it's it's. It doesn't seem overly structured. It seems very, you know, just a check and balance to say, are we moving in the right direction? Mm -hmm. Can you say, how was that created? And, and yeah, yeah. So, so I think what you mean is this platform of, uh, you know, which has been uh, uh, created of these, we call it ambassadors, uh, which are focusing on, uh, on collaboration and sharing the best practices. So actually this is uh, reacting to what I said in the beginning, that I strongly believe that a change can happen if it is coming uh, from the bottom, 
you know, it's not, and it needs to be also uh, driven by the leaders, but, you know, the big evolution happens if you have, you know, different uh, hotspots, as I said, and it's driven by all kinds of different uh, uh, teams and different individuals. Uh, so, you know, we have many engaged uh, colleagues uh, who wants to be part of that. Uh, and, and we created a platform that, uh, you know, they meet uh, frequently. Uh, they are discussing the progress. Uh, they are focusing on different topics. Uh, so it's not only on, on the business topics, uh, uh, but also other. And, and it, it, it has great impact. You know, people are very engaged. They take care about the communication because we did not mention that. But in uh, every change like that, communication is crucial. You need to have a great communication plan and a structure, how you with a solid frequency, you approach you know, uh, all teams and you provide uh, updated people, understand uh, what's happening and again, why. So, so this is happening very spontaneously. Right, and so one of the key factors of what you just shared was that this was developed from folks that were closest to the customer. They were frontliners, frontline leaders, and and versus being, you know, just downloaded to them. They really, it sounds like they played a huge role in creating this, and therefore they bought into it from a change management perspective. And 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 um, you know, obviously, would be pretty excited about the, being involved in the process, being versus being told what to do for the process. Definitely, definitely, you summarize it perfectly. That's great. And so let's go back to diversity inclusion. Um, how does a company of your size deal with that? Because how do you kind of connect that, you know, with multiple countries? I mean, it's hard enough at a, at a local level to deal with for some, for some folks mm -hmm. or, you know, where, you know, what are your strategies around that? What are your thoughts? So, uh, you know, as I said, we are active, you know, on nine markets. Uh, and uh, if you look to the most of the markets, uh, uh, you know, I would say that we have pretty diverse environment. Uh, so, and, and you can, of course, uh, look to the diversity from different point of view, gender, uh, uh, the cultural, uh, uh, generational. Uh, so it, it's pretty diverse environment, which, which I think we are very proud of. Uh, but diversity, it does not equal uh, to inclusion. Uh, and I think, you know, the companies, they, they need to work on, on both topics simultaneously. Because we can, you can have a great environment uh, where you know you have different people, but the next step is that you really create an environment where these different people can work together, and that you know they they do not need to adjust too much, you know, to 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 different styles, and that's a magic actually, you know, that relates really to the leadership. Uh, and uh, I mostly believe, uh, and we could talk about this for hours that there are two, three strong elements, how you actually are able to create sustainable inclusive environments. One, I would mention safety and trust. You need to create an environment where people will feel that they can actually speak out. And they can speak out if they like something and they can mention it, they can share it. But more importantly, that they feel safe you know, to approach colleague, manager, you know, partner uh, to explain, listen, this was a situation which I did not enjoy. I did not like, you know, and explain why. Uh, the second is, next to the safety and trust, uh, is listening skills. Mm -hmm. 
And I strongly believe uh, that listening skills are very underestimated leadership skills. Uh, because we as the human beings, we are actually born uh, that when we are in the situation, we listen to answer. We listen to share our own perspective. We listen to, to say our own opinion. And we are not uh, trained to give the gift of listening to the second person to, to really flourish, to say what's, what's on the mind. So if you create an environment where the listening skills are advanced, that's, that's a fantastic move to inclusive environment because, you know, with being listened at, you feel that your voice counts, that you are respected, that you can really contribute. And the last but not least, I would mention vulnerability. Uh, because again, inclusive environment uh, cannot be fully uh, achieved uh, if people uh, cannot show the vulnerability. Uh, and again, that's the magic which needs to come from the leaders. Uh, they need to create an environment that you know they would allow for the failures. Uh, they would allow people to say, I don't know. Uh, they would uh, uh, feel people to say, you know, I don't feel well. Uh, they would allow to say, uh, you know, I cannot deliver. Uh, so these are the three, and, and there are many others, of course, because it's very complex topics, but I would say that these are the crucial uh, themes, which I would recommend to, to every organization to focus. Well, you know, one thing that you said, which was an aha moment for me, is diversity doesn't equal inclusion. And I, I, I don't know if we really think about that. I think that sometimes that that if you look around the room and there's diversity between genders and races and, and age demographics, you think, wow, I've got diversity inclusion, but you're right. It's you without, you know, safety, listening vulnerability, which I, I think are a great formula. You don't have inclusion. Yeah. Right. Um, and so let's go back to your three points, safety, uh, trust, listening skills, which, which I agree. I think you're spot on. They, that's got to be the biggest underestimated training or, or, or skill that we do not train people in. Um, but <clears throat> I want to talk about listening, uh, safety, trust, and listening. But I guess I had a question around vulnerability. It feels like if you get safety and trust right and your listening skills, uh, you're training, you're a great listener, that would you vulnerability might be an outcome of some of those two things too. It might naturally happen. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's true. Definitely. You know, I think it all goes together. Uh, but, you know, uh, I mention it because it's still not very common. And it's not very common, you know, mostly from the leadership that they would show vulnerability to their teams and to their people. And I think it's uh, actually if, if you show vulnerability, you are extremely brave which I think people do not realize, you know, because vulnerable, you know, people would say almost like you are weak, you failed, you know. I strongly believe if you are able to do that, if you are able to, to show emotions, uh, if you are able to show empathy, uh, and also that you are human beings with, uh, with your own mistakes uh, and, and, uh, uh, and, and all of that, uh, it's brave. Uh, and I think, you know, we need to more and more articulate it because uh, it's a topic which is still not too much discussed. Uh, and, and most of the corporations, you know, they are still, if we talk about diversity, male-driven environments, you know, 
emotions, empathy, vulnerability. These are not typical words which would be outspoken in the boardrooms. You're right. I love vulnerability equals bravery. I'm going to post in that and tag you. That is beautiful. Um, so a few other points as we come to a close. In a large organization like Home Trust, how do you, what, what does it look like? If I join the organization today, how do we start building? And I know you're on the journey, but what are some strategies to make me feel safe and to trust the organization, trust people? What, what does it look like for me as I enter the, the organization or, or maybe um, in the future? You know, uh, uh, I, I think it's great to mention, you know, the even the pre-journey. You know, I think it starts with, uh, you know, how you talk about uh, home credit, what's the employer brand, you know, what are the stories which we are sharing about the company that, you know, the outsider can actually sense and uh, consider about the company. So I would even mention that. Uh, but then, of course, we, we, we try to create that, uh, you know, informal, uh, safe environment already when we approach potential candidates, uh, when we have uh, conversations with them. Yesterday, actually, I was talking with one guy and, and he said, I hate formal interview. Uh, you know, and I think this is it. Eh? You, you just cannot build trustful, respectful environment if you will enter and, and you will treat it like, you know, from the hierarchical point of view, where you do not feel informality, if it is not uh, felt like friendly. So you, you actually look to the employee life cycle and you need to understand, uh, uh, you know, what do you want to do? What do you want to change in each employee touch point? You know, and, and it starts from hiring people. It's, uh, you know, how you organize uh, uh, the, the hiring, how you talk with people, how you welcome them in the company, what's the onboarding, uh, uh, then, you know, uh, how you are uh, welcomed by the team, what are your interactions uh, with the leader, uh, we promote, you know, the culture of uh, frequent, uh, uh, you know, uh, conversations that it's not only like in some of the companies, METIR and, and, and MTIR, but we just want to have the, the environment where people talk to each other uh, and, and they support each other, uh, give feedback uh, and work together on becoming better. So creating safety and trust seems soft. You can't train someone on that, but to your point, you know, it's, it's the environment, it's the feeling and I feel comfortable. But what about the listening skills? That does seem like a trainable thing. It's Ron, let me, let me train you on this. Is there a program you guys implement or what, what are your thoughts you know, when it comes to home credit and, and someone to be trained on, on to be a great listener. Can we train people? I think you can actually uh, train is a hard word, but if you talk about safety and trust, you know, I think if you bring these topics, you create awareness, you know, and, and, and you change many mind bugs of the people, you know, many judgmental, you know, approaches. So I, I, would, uh, I would say that you can do a lot on these topics as well. But of course, on the listening skills, I would mention very practically that during the past year, we have changed the whole performance management system. Uh, we have adjusted, uh, you know, the evaluation, how it's being done. And we do a lot of communication around that. You know, we provide the best practices, practical tips. Uh, we have videos. Uh, we are now actually in January again in the time that, you know, the evaluation process starts. So we are organizing the trainings, you know, where not only leaders, but, you know, also the, the employees can participate 
because it's not only about the leadership, you know, being able to listen and provide feedback. Uh, it's mostly about the employees, you know, to be able to connect with their leader and to also provide feedback to their manager. So it's it's a lot of activities which uh, uh, we do about it. And, uh, you know, mostly I would say, Ron, that it's really about if if you focus on, on uh, specific things, uh, uh, you need to create awareness. Uh, People need to understand, again, why. People need to understand the purpose of, of, of that. Uh, and once it's done, you know, I think people will take it very spontaneously. People are engaged because they understand that it's for their better interest uh, and, uh, and for their better performance and also for the organization. Wow, that, that is awesome. I, I, uh, I love all your points. Um, really, it's been a, a fabulous having you today. Uh, before close, anything else we didn't talk about that you'd like to, to discuss? Listen, you know, we did not talk about so many things. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a great debate with you, but we have limited time. And I think the most important topics, which are very close to my heart, which I am passionate uh, personally, I think we have been able to tackle. Yeah, look, you, you, I, I, would, I would call this a golden uh, episode. You provide a lot of value, obviously. Um, are an extreme, uh, extremely knowledgeable and a thought leader on this stuff. So thank you uh, for sharing that with everybody. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, we're absolutely going to have you back so we can talk about more topics uh, and then love to keep in touch and watch as your journey continues. So thank you so much for your time, Renata. And uh, it's been a lovely discussion. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Ron, and all the best to you and to all the listeners. And looking forward to, to speak to you later again. To learn more about Renata or anything else related to Scaling Culture, please see the show description for details. If you're enjoying the Scaling Culture podcast, please subscribe. We'll be back next week with another incredible guest.